0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Would you please give a Life Family Church warm welcome to Dr. Dan Boltz. Please come. Doc. Praise the Lord, it's great to be with you all this morning, and uh, how old is your church now? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. In uh, five. Okay. Excellent. I remember the uh, conversations before you all started about starting a church. In fact, one evening you had us to your house and picked our brains a little bit. So uh, we, uh, my wife and I, Sandy, we love your pastors. Uh, We've known them, as you said, 14 years or so, something like that. They used to live in the frigid north with us, which is really not so frigid. I don't know what the problem was, but... (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just developed a a good relationship there. And uh, so we're excited about all that you guys are doing. Uh, Although I will admit some of my attraction to them is because they are so different from me. (laughs) Wow. And uh, there's times when just watching them go, it reminds me of my grandkids. You know, they go, go, go. They go so much they make me tired. <laughs> and I get dizzy and need to sit down just watching them. because, And that's how they are. Very, very different from, uh, from me. But, you know, the Lord has called so many different kinds of people <laughs> to do so many different kinds of things. And so uh, each of us just need to find where are we called, how are we put together, how are we wire the five love languages as an example, personality types, all different kinds of things, but there's great diversity and differences. And, uh, you know, you just excel at being you as God created you to be. So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, uh, yeah, by uh, gifting I am a teacher of the word, and just watching again here this morning, and I, I know your, your pastor, uh, how he operates, his giftings and so on, and uh, where he will be one that will really bring the anointing in a tangible way, in a visible way, in a moment, in a sudden release. I'm kind of the guy that after you've received that, now what? And then it's my turn. Mm -hmm. And I find this, and uh, maybe I'll talk about some of that today. Yes, we need to receive the anointing. Yes, we need impartations. Yes, we need a moment where everything changes. But as I get into my message today, um, you're going to be challenged after that Mm -hmm. as to whether you receive something or not. Mm -hmm. And what to do after there's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, And I can tell you this, just being, as he said, ministry almost 30 years and pastoring all of those years, uh, just watching people's lives over a long period of time, uh, folks have struggles and fights. And uh, uh, being able to come through a fight is a very, very important skill to have. And, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we think, oh, I just need to get to an anointed service. Well, yes. But sometimes an anointed service is not an option right now. Amen. So let me uh, maybe start in this direction as I'm actually already beginning to introduce what I want to share with you a little bit this morning. Uh, Some of you uh, may know us from previous times being here. Uh, Maybe many of you do not, but uh, on January 24th, a year ago, So it's a little over a year now. Uh, My wife and I were in Fort Worth, Texas at uh, Brother Copeland's Minister's Conference. And on the last evening of those services, as we were getting ready, my wife came out from our hotel bathroom into the main area there and said to me, I just heard a pop in my neck And uh, that popping then gave her the most horrific headache she ever had in her life. And she sat down and uh, thinking neck, you know, spine, something like that, you know, instant migraine, that kind of thing, uh, prayed for her, uh, ministered healing to her, and uh, then encouraged her to go lay down in the bed. She had some relief. But over the next three hours, we went through trying to figure out, okay, do we need to go to a hospital or what's going on here, you know? Uh, And uh, so over time, she texts uh, a relative of ours, that is a doctor, and uh, the encouragement was, you better go and just make sure it's not something serious. And uh, so we did. We went to the emergency room that was closest to our hotel room, walked in. Uh, filling out the paperwork at the desk there, or answering the questions, and they type. And uh, then go into the first exam room, and in that first exam room, uh, she uh, asks me for something I knew what she needed, and she had eaten a few berries Well, she uh, spit those up, and put her head back on this uh, raised up examination chair table thing, and her eyes rolled back in her head, and she went out. And right following that, I saw her arm start retracting up like this. And I knew immediately, this is a brain event. This is not spine or a kink in her neck or something like that. So things got real serious real fast. And uh, we uh, were brought immediately into the hospital further for a a room that was equipped better. Uh, And people were flying and running around. And uh, they began to intubate her and said, we need to go make a scan. Uh, Ask me out of the room. Uh, and they were back some 10 minutes later or so, and uh, all they would say is, I'm so sorry. You'll forgive me if I feel it a little bit, you know, but uh, even still, but I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. What? What? Uh, and then they told me they're calling for a helico- helicopter to airlift her to downtown Fort Worth. and. Uh, If they're going to helicopter, I know when they say, I'm so sorry, she hasn't passed away, but it must be awful close to that or they wouldn't talk like they do and conduct themselves like they do. I mean, all the life was drained out of their faces. The the big doctor guy, you know, whoever he was, uh, wasn't time for introductions, but I could tell he was in charge of everything and he didn't even want to look at me. Uh, There was one nurse who was a Christian, a believer, and asked me a couple of questions, and she took me to a side room. Well, let's pray. And she still wouldn't tell me really anything. But I knew something serious had happened. And uh, every kind of emotion you could imagine that you would have at a time, uh, I might mention, uh, we're coming up on our 40th wedding anniversary. And we dated, it starting in the middle of high school, some five years before we married. So this is the only girl ever for me. I never even held the hand of another girl. She's the one, right? And it's been close, and uh, maybe you guys could attest to the fact we're friends, her and I. And uh, so, you know, this is my girl. And. Uh, I'm thinking this can't be happening, this can't be happening, this can't be happening, but it was. I'm in the ministry called of God, I'm healed, I'm blessed, Uh, this can't be happening, this this is not appointed for us, but it was happening. And in that moment I had to have an answer and get in gear and start fighting. As I was saying earlier, you know, an anointed service and an anointed minister is not always available to you because you may need something right now. And I knew enough of the Word to know this, that uh, do you pray and ask God, yes. Uh, I did quickly ask God, uh, hey, what's the story here? And uh, you know, in a moment I knew I need to answer this with the Word. And the Lord had been over previous months and a couple of years, particularly me, having me to confess from Psalm, uh, I think it's the 91st Psalm, 16, with long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. So all I could do was say that verse, with long life will He satisfy me and show me His salvation. And uh, over time I added things to that, but you know, how long does it take for someone to pass away? Be without oxygen in your brain for three minutes. And uh, I've kind of learned there are going to be times when you have three minutes. And that's it. Save someone's life. Uh, One of the things I taught in my home church after we eventually got back to our home, she was in the hospital in Fort Worth two months and then a specialist hospital in Indiana for one month and then downtown Chicago at the best uh, stroke and rehab center in the world for a month. And now now she's home with us. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, had to answer. And I taught my congregation, you got 30 seconds to save a life. What will you do? Amen. Amen. Uh, You can't even get a call off to your pastor in 30 seconds hardly. And, you know, you're just taking it all in. So uh, just to kind of fill out that part of the story, uh, she was flown downtown Fort Worth. I drove. still believing everything's going to be all right. It's all going to be all right, you know. I was welcome in the helicopter, but I thought, nah, then I got to get back somehow to get the car. So (laughs) anyway, I drove there. I was at the emergency room uh, to hear the helicopter come in. And uh, boy, the buzz and the people running and all of that kind of thing brought her in. And very quickly... um, a neurosurgeon uh, found me, met with me, and started all over again. The I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and uh, you know the words from your mouth are extremely important. You'll have according to what you say, and I, you know, I'm sure your pastors have taught you some of those things. How you answer uh, is extremely important. I knew not to say certain things, right? You don't voice your fears. You don't give them life. And so he's telling me, do you have family? I think you need to call them in and so on. And and uh, all I would say is, okay, yeah, I have family. I can call them. And uh, she's, she's, oh, you know, and he's going on a little bit. And I would say, okay. And he thought I wasn't getting it, right? You don't understand. Uh, and I've learned they won't flat out tell you she's going to die. They won't say it that way. They have a nice way of trying to get you there, right? Those kinds of things. And so finally, in in some desperation, he says, well, come here. And he takes me to a laptop and shows me the scans. And what had happened was is she had a brain aneurysm that burst, a a bleed, a hemorrhage. And it had in those hours poured blood out on her brain. And uh, your skull being a container, when there's a leak in a blood vessel, the pressure inside the blood vessels leaks to the outside and the skull being a container, it starts building pressure. Right? Your blood pressure, good blood pressure, as high as 120, 120 over 68 or 70, something like that. So the pressure on her brain went to a point where the term that they used with me was she stroked out. Um, Pressure on that brain prohibits any blood flowing through the brain. It's a stroke of a different variety. And he showed me the scans, and he could say, Look, see this clouded area, this and this. And I'm looking at that. It's pretty much most of her brain. And I know, well, that can't be good, right? But uh, um, he implied to me, She's gonna die she's got to die and in that first night this is a hospital of about 3,000 beds something like that another neurosurgeon tells me um, she is the sickest person in this hospital and I figured out that's a nice way of telling me she's got to die first amen amen so uh, there's so many things I've learned so many things I could teach Um you know, this is, this is one of those things that uh, we all love services that are whew, so exciting, run around, all the blessings are ours, and they are. The Lord has paid for your healing and your prosperity and your joy and your happiness and all of that. But all, all that's true, and I've experienced all that. But there are also times when it's a test to see, well, do you believe it? in a time that looks a little different? Yeah. As the people say when the rubber meets the road, you know, that kind of a thing. So uh, I've learned so much and I've ministered so much in these things, how to help people go through things because we do, right? And uh, one of the things that's most important and there's only so much time available, you know, to teach the Word, but uh, One of the things I feel uh, led to speak to you about this morning a little bit is courage. Courage in the face of adversity. Uh, You might recall... uh, that uh, Jairus sought the Lord Jesus for healing. My daughter lies at the point of death, right? And uh, Jesus says, okay, I'll come to your house. He was requested to come to her house, his house. And on the way, that's when the woman with the issue of blood tugs at the hem of his garment. She's healed. Jesus stops, talks with her a while, and so on. Uh, and while they're on the way to the house, uh, people come and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's gone. I can relate to that moment where the whole world crashes in on you. And everything you think is right has been turned upside down. Uh, Everything you believe is now challenged to the maximum. And uh, what did Jesus say to that father? He said, fear not, only believe. Well, I think it's universal for us when you're faced with something and, you know, uh, it's there, uh, you're going to be tempted to be afraid, yeah. Joyce Meyer wrote a book, I think, you know, uh, Do It Afraid. Mm -hmm. Has to do with, yeah, you're going to experience fear, but you rise up anyway and you do what you need to do. And uh, you don't give voice and you don't give place to that fear, but courage. So to be honest with you, it was not just that first night or those first days or weeks, but it's been months and months of continuing to find courage. We uh, had many miracles in her case and things that she, uh, you know, I I mean, they told me impossible. She can't live. She did. She learned how to breathe. I was in a coma for... um, almost eight weeks and then opened her eyes Amen. and then began to be able to squeeze our hand and so on. Uh, and she's got a ways to go, you know, and uh, uh, only so much time to tell you some of these things. But uh, after all of the wonderful miracles we received that were happening like that, it all slowed down. And uh, now we're uh, at a point where uh, the fear is is that it won't get any better and this is as good as it 's going to be, and so on, and it 's a different kind of a fight she 's going to live she 's going to live a long time. Her doctor says, "Oh yeah, she 'll live a long time, but i don 't want her to remain hundred percent dependent, she can 't speak, uh, and some of that. So uh, you know what i 'm saying is is you will have to maintain courage or know how to find courage through different parts of a battle. Amen. And, uh, you know, Brother Hagen used to say this when uh, we attended Rhema, uh, that so many people, words to this effect, they miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. And when someone is instantly, miraculously healed and rises up out of a wheelchair or whatever it is, that's an exciting time, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing um, to see those things happen. And there are moves of God where it happens a lot. It happens on foreign soil a lot more than here in the States, which someone like your pastor is a little frustrated about, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, we don't want to miss the supernatural because we think it can only be spectacular. Uh, In a conversation with... uh, um, Doug Jones back at Rama. Uh, I suppose most of you don't know who he is, but he's the head of the ministerial association over all of Rama worldwide. Uh, so many, 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 many ministers and his job is to take care of ministers. So uh, He looked in on me a lot, phone calls and such and talking with him and we were talking on this subject and uh, he used to travel with Brother Hagin um, and he used to minister with Brother Hagin for years. And Brother Hagen had a very powerful and anointed healing ministry, was himself raised up off the deathbed. Uh, but uh, he said, in all of those years of being with Brother Hagen, that instantaneous miracle where it all changed in a moment and everybody could see it, in all of those years, he says, I don't think it happened more than five times. The vast majority of victories. Healings, prosperity, uh, deliverances, whatever they are, happen over time. They're no less supernatural. They're no less miracle. We do live by faith and walk by faith. Amen. Amen. Well, as something stretches on, courage is still a challenge. So maybe I need to jump into this a little more. Uh, this morning, your pastor did mention that perhaps tonight I could continue and I may need to do that. Just I'll split this in half and do half and half. But I want to talk about having courage in the face of adversity. I'd love to say, you know, just come to Jesus and all your problems are over. You'll never be challenged. Has anybody found that doesn't exactly work like that, you know? And uh, I've always uh, winced a little bit if someone presents the gospel and they imply that. You know, just come to Jesus and everything will be fixed, man, and you'll have an easy life from here on out. I'll say this, it's a lot easier with Jesus than without. (laughs) But uh, things happen in believers' lives too. And thank God that we do have uh, things that uh, are in our uh, resource bag since we're Christians and believers. You know, we have a covenant. uh, uh, You can't say enough about a healing covenant. But I want to talk about courage. Um, If you would look with me, Joshua (coughs) 1.1, When I think about courage, the first thing I think about is Joshua and the Lord's instruction to him. Uh, By the way, all through your Bible, you have all kinds of stories of conflict and trouble and the people of God rising up anyway. And fighting their way through it and believing God and receiving a great deliverance. I sometimes wonder this, if God just doesn't love uh, a movie Where the tension builds and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and then all of a sudden it comes out right. Amen. Makes a great story, right? Well, I didn't volunteer for this story and you didn't either. But it needs to turn out as a great story. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. And I hope you can recall that this is the second instruction to go over the Jordan into the promised land. It was supposed to happen 40 years earlier, right? With that generation and Moses. Well, that generation died out. And uh, now it was time. And uh, Joshua is instructed to go over. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Don't you love when God says something mighty to you like that? Every place you go, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. But if you know the story, they had to go in and fight for it. Even though it was given to them. Uh, Verse 4 from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river the river Euphrates the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Now, to meditate is to go over, and over, and over, and over, and over. And uh, it, it also would be to, to mutter it, or to say it. So when it says, don't let it get out of your mouth, it means that you're saying these things over, and over, and over. Now, I personally found through those days, and those, especially those first hours, that fear was presented to me, you know, she's going to die. She's going to die and fear. And uh, I experienced it the way I've heard Brother Hagen talk about it and, and Dr. Ed Dufresne also. It feels like something that grabs hold of your foot and starts crawling up your leg. Mm. And I could feel it coming inside. I could feel it come to the core of my being where you just almost shudder. And coming up my neck and I knew if I didn't do something quick it's gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> so I would speak the word. I'm in a hospital not great big, you know, loud. But I would say it. And they would put that thing down. And I'd have relief from that fear for four or five seconds. And I'd have to say it again. And that would give me relief a few seconds more. And I'd say it again. And I got the victory over it, but I'd have to say it again. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I eventually was getting to a minute or two, and I'd have to say it again. Day and night. Day and night. The first night I didn't sleep at all. But uh, then I knew this. I'm not going to give the glory to the enemy to sit in her hospital room as a death watch. I'm going to the hotel. All my family had arrived by then. We're going to the hotel. We're going to get a nice meal. And we're going together. Nobody's staying behind on a death watch. Mm -hmm. We're going together and we're going to live like we're victorious people. We're going for a nice meal. We're going to the hotel. We're going to sleep. And in the morning, uh, when we're ready, we'll get up and go to the hospital. But many times, I would, you know, lay down, fall asleep, pop awake. And I'd have to handle it. Say the word. And i get relief. And I wake up again and have to handle it. Day and night, day and night, day and night. Amen. You know, uh, I'd love if everything was one and done. It's not. So in this, I think it's three times there, Joshua's commanded, be courageous. Be very courageous. Courage, from my experience, is not just something that I just muster up. Hey, get a hold of yourself. Come on now, you know. I find that I have to have a resource to draw it from. Uh, I have found that this has challenged me far more than what I am and who I am. I needed more than what I got. To get through some of these things. So where do I get courage? How do I find courage? Where did Joshua find courage? I want to pose a couple questions and we'll go a little further here. Why would God command Joshua to be courageous several times unless there was going to be a fight? When the Lord starts ministering to you, hey, now be courageous, be strong. And he says, I need you to be courageous and be strong. Uh, You could start thinking, hmm, there must be a fight coming. There must be a fight coming. If God gave them the land, why was there going to be a fight? I give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Told Joshua, every place you go, it's yours. Everywhere the sole of your foot touches the ground, it's yours, man. No man will be able to stand before you. So what? I just walk up to them and they all fall down? No. Why? Why? Uh, was uh, I'm sorry. Was Joshua having courage by himself enough? No. Joshua was a leader, uh, and if you're a parent, you're a leader. Uh, in various circles, you're a leader, and God's going to command you to be very courageous because you need it, and others around you need it. You, you do understand that the people you know do one or two things. There are those that encourage you, build your courage, and there are those that discourage you, that take away your courage. And if you're in the middle of the fight, there may be some people you better not go around. Because they will take courage from you. Those doctors, I know they were trying to do their craft, but every day they tried to take courage from me. Um, I don't think they knew that they were doing that. But they were doing a mighty good job of that. I'd have to go back to to the Lord with that. So, no, he was responsible to instill courage in others as well. Um, What did Joshua have to do to acquire and maintain courage? It would be the same thing for you and me today. How do you acquire and maintain courage? I'm going to give you six things that you do. And... uh, uh, I don't know. What time do you usually stop your service? When you're done. When I'm done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you six things. Uh, They may not all be this morning. But concerning uh, acquiring courage, maintaining courage. uh, When your courage goes away, all the fight in you goes away with it. Uh, Paul wrote, fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, Uh, and I've learned this too. Anytime the Lord gives you something, the enemy is coming to see if he can take it away. If the Lord says, I'm giving you, uh, well, this morning, an anointing and a calling in business. All right, y'all came up, you received, hands were laid on you. Did something go in you? Did you receive something? I promise you it will now be challenged. And what you do with what you receive this morning from here on out will make up the difference. Well, I thought the power of God came in me and I received an anointing to prosper in business. What's this trouble? Normal. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy because I'm anointed to prosper in business. No, no, you will be challenged. When the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus at the baptism of John, that's when his anointing and equipping took place. What's the first thing that happened to him after he was filled with the Spirit? form of a dove descended on him? Do you remember? The wilderness temptation. When you receive something from God, expect it, it's coming. That's actually a point that I'm going to get to, but anyway, a fight is coming. And you're going to have to defend what you received and you're going to have to hold on to what you received and you're going to have to protect it and treasure it. And you're going to need courage to do it. Amen. Amen. Well, number one. Remember, first of all, that a fight is brewing. Oh, life is so good. Well, a fight's brewing. Everything's just perfect and wonderful in our lives, which is probably not true of anybody. But, you know, you get to a point where, oh, it's just so perfect. Don't nobody mess it up. Well, if you're going to follow God, a fight is brewing. And when one fight finishes another one begins. The Bible says five times the just shall live by faith. It's not something that you receive your merit badge, I lived by faith, so I've accomplished that, we're done with that. You will live the rest of your life by faith. I'll never forget when uh, my older daughter uh, came to me and said, Dad, I'm starting to figure something out. Uh, and I think she was about 28 at the time and already two children, a CPA, uh, a pretty successful business and all of that. Uh, had a mini ranch and horses and things going on. So, you know, fairly successful in some things. Although she had to, they had to really fight it out by faith. But she said, uh, I'm starting to realize that I'm probably going to always have a fight and somewhere my faith has to be active And I said, you're right. I figured out the same thing too. Let's say you accomplish something that brings you to this level. Well, then you're going to have a fight to go to the next level. And then you're going to have a fight to go to the next level. And where you stop fighting is where you're going to stop progressing. And people do get comfortable at some level and they stop. But a fight's coming. Uh, Look at 1 Peter 4, in verse 12, please. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. So when trouble comes, we're not to go, What's this? (laughs) I can't believe it. How can this be happening? Oh, this is not happening. Oh, it's happening. And you're going to get in gear or you're going to lay down and surrender. Amen. Do not think it's strange. Do not think it's strange. Do not think it's strange. And it says fiery trial. Amen. It is not strange or unexpected that you will be challenged. And here's the thing, too, about spiritual growth. When the, uh, some truth from the Word is ministered to you, and you, oh, I see it, I grab hold of it, it's mine. I can remember many years ago discovering the Lord intends to prosper me, even make me wealthy. And people have different descriptions of what wealthy is. I like one from Dr. Dufresne wealthy is when you can take a year off of work and it doesn't hurt you none. I like that description. That's a good one. You know, that's not a set number uh, of dollars. But, uh, you know, and uh, so anyway, I discovered those things in the Word and set out to, God's blessed me. He's prospering me. He's making me wealthy. I believe God I'll be a millionaire and all of that. And guess what? I was challenged along those lines. After discovering it, it seemed like it went down, down, down. And when we were in Bible school, you know, there wasn't enough food to feed us all. But uh, one day we came home from church and found our refrigerator and our pantry filled. Still to this day, don't know how that happened. We never missed a meal, but it sure looked like we were going to. You're going to be challenged. When you receive a truth, just know, The enemy's coming to take it away. Jesus told the parable of the sower. Bird comes to try to steal away the word. If you can't steal away the word, he's going to confuse you uh, with other things. And if you can't do that, it'll just make you so busy with life, you know. And uh, so it was the minority that received 30, 60, and 100 fold in Jesus' parable. But, uh, you know, rejoice over a truth when you receive it. And uh, an impartation, an anointing, all of that, rejoice, you got it. But it's going to be challenged. Amen. Jesus said this in John 16.33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What's tribulation? Well, it's just trouble. In this world, in this life, we're going to have trouble. Amen. This is not necessarily a run-around-the-room, happy and excited message. Nonetheless, it will help you. It will help you. Uh, So there will be tribulation. 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says here, No temptation. Now, that could easily be translated test instead of temptation. The reason I mention that is sometimes folks see the word temptation and they think, oh, the enemy trying to get you to sin. Uh, No, uh, it's testing. Anything that tries you, that tests you. So let's read it that way. No test has overtaken you except such as is common to man. First thing to note is this happens to everybody these tests. And when something comes your way, you're not the first and you're not the last. I uh, came very close to losing my wife and one of the things it's done is really develop a compassion in me. And I know in any group of people this size or so, there are people who did lose a spouse. There are people who've lost a child. Uh, or, you know, uh, parents and things like that, you lose people. And I have such a compassion now and an understanding that I didn't before. You know, it just wasn't my experience. I didn't know about it like I do now. But these things are common. They happen. I can't believe this is happening to me. Well, get over yourself. It could happen to any of us, some of these things. So, uh, it's common. It's common. But it says next, but God is faithful. Now, if I got to write the definition here of God being faithful, it would be that he prevents any challenge from ever getting to me. Now, I might say that there's a whole lot of trouble that God has prevented from getting to you. And this verse reflects that a little bit. And we thank God for all the victories we have and all that we've been spared if we obey and follow Him. I tell you, life's a lot tougher if you don't follow the plan of God for your life. And a lot of unnecessary trouble. Uh, Like the prodigal son, he didn't have to get... Knocked down all the way to uh, feeding the hogs and not enough to eat. That was a result of his choices. And so, yeah, we can be spared a lot of things. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. God will not permit a test to come to you that you cannot be victorious in. If it's come your way, you can win. But you may not feel like it. And you may take inventory of what you have and say, I can't do this. I I don't have what it takes to do this. Yeah, that was the idea for you to depend on God and to reach out beyond yourself. God is faithful who will not allow something more than what you can be successful at. So uh, I can't say I liked it, but when this test came for me and my wife is uh, barely clinging to life, I knew I can win. God would not permit this if I couldn't win. And when they told me she had to die, I told them, no, I believe Different. Why do I I believe different? Because God is faithful and he won't allow too much. Now I better find out where the resources are that I need and get with it. Amen. He always provides a way of escape. Number two. Number one was remember first that a fight is coming or a fight is brewing. Don't think it's strange. Number two. Review what God has said about the outcome of this fight. If you'll look back, you will find that God always prepares you with the key, with what you need for the fight before you enter the fight. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, I had been saying concerning health for me, and my wife picked it up too, with long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. Well, now I wouldn't be satisfied with living long, but not also healthy and prosperous. So in that even is, I'm going to live long and be healthy. And he's going to show me his salvation means his delivering ability, his delivering power. I was prepared with the answer when I needed it. I already had it. I already had it. So we need to remember, what did God say about the outcome of the fight before you enter the fight? I'm sure, if you'll think back, God has already talked to you about the outcome. Well, did He do that by His Spirit? Did I have a dream, a vision? Well, you may have had those things, but more than likely, it was just simply His Word. And never forget that. Uh, God principally speaks by his word to you. But there are certain scriptures that he will, I don't know, uh, weld into your heart that they're yours. Uh, I have taught in my congregation back home, you know, it's not just, let's see, what was that scripture Pastor Dan said? Yeah, uh, with long life, well, he, something like that. I say with long life, uh, uh, yada, da, da, da. It won't work like that. You have to own it. <laughs> You have to own it. You have to be so that when the fight starts, and the Word of God's the sword, sword of the Spirit, and you go and reach for your weapon, it's there. Number one. Number two. When you pull it out, this thing is awesome. Whew, enemy, look what I got. Yeah. If that scripture's not like that to you, where you go, whoo, this will cut you down right now. If it's not like that to you, you're not there yet. It can't be like those seven sons of Sceva. You know, we we cast out this demon, we adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. It can't be second hand. Can't be secondhand. Remember what has God said about the outcome. Well, with Joshua, he had already spoken the outcome. Um, he had said, You will make your way prosperous and have good success. He had said to Joshua, No man will be able to stand against you. He had said, Everywhere where the sole or the foot shall tread is yours. He already described the outcome. Thing about it is, forty years earlier, with Moses at that time, God had said the same thing about the outcome. But they believed what they saw rather than what God had said. So when you need to recall, what has God said about this battle? What has God said the outcome is? I love Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He said here, his word will not return void. To return means he sent it and it's coming back. So he says here that his word coming back won't be empty. When we speak the word... He has sent it to us and if it's real to us and we possess it and it's ours when we speak it back to Him faith is released and it is full of power. That's why some people can say the same words and there's no power and others just say the word just say the word and it's full of power. I have learned something about putting the devil on the run I don't have time to tell the many experiences I had, but once caught up in the Spirit, I had a battle with the devil, and I realized that he was just kind of having his way, plaguing me with fear. And I'll tell you, some kind of boldness or something rose up on the inside, and I started saying the word on some things, and I could see kind of in the Spirit like I had, uh, this sounds silly, but like I had a broom in my hand and he was a rat crawling around on the floor and I would strike at him and he'd scurry this way and then that way trying to get away from me. Amen. Every time I'd hit him with that word and he ended up, you know, that the rooms appeared to go into darkness in a corner there where it's dark and he's just <laughs> with a terrified look on his face, exhausted. And I did that in three or four minutes. Yes. I learned how to put the fear of God in him. But it was the Word of God that I was speaking that was real to me and uh, put Him on the run. The Word was not returning void but full of power. So, review what God has said about the outcome. And number three, choose to believe God rather than what you see. Choose to believe God rather than what you see. Uh, Let's go to Acts 27.25. And uh, I'll lay out this what's going on here. Paul was on a ship, the Apostle Paul was on a ship with some others, prisoners and other people. There was two or three hundred if I remember correctly on this ship and they had been caught in winter storms and uh, had gone through a process of throwing things overboard and doing everything they can just to survive. And uh, we're talking something like 14 days. And the uh, scripture says, when all hope of being saved was gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul and said to Paul that, he would, uh, that all lives would be spared, nothing lost except the ship. And it did happen that the ship was broken up on the rocks and they were all in the water and so on. They hadn't eaten for days. Uh, But Paul called them all together. And we're talking Roman soldiers. He's a prisoner in chains. But he calls them together and he ministers. He says this in Acts 27-25, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. You have to choose to believe God. Every day we're confronted with what we see compared to what God has said. Uh, They were showing me scans and test results and and the best opinion of the best doctors in all of uh, the southern United States there. We were at, uh, turned out, one of the best places in all of the country for stroke and brain injury. Uh, ICU unit, you know, just for uh, stroke. Big place. several rooms going around, maybe about 20 of them, and every day people dying, coming in, another one died Uh, 90% of the people there don't leave the patients alive that's where we were so, uh, and the doctors at Daily want to give me updates and tell me things and uh, you have to choose you have to choose am I going to believe God or what they tell me I don't doubt those doctors know their stuff. One doctor got so frustrated with me, you don't understand. I said, yeah, I do. I understand what you're saying. He got so frustrated with me, he kind of stormed over toward a center core where a lot of desks were and so on, and he grabbed a model of a head brought it over, started pulling the skull off. See this brain part? You know, and he's telling me, this is dead. And this part and this between here, the right and the left communicate to one another through this membrane, and that membrane is dead. And unless that membrane is alive, the right half can't talk to the left half. It's like two people on a cell phone, and they can speak, but they can't hear one another. And, uh, and, and she'll never wake up. He was almost angry with me. And I said, I understand. I believe something different. That's right. I had to choose. Yes. I had to choose. I had to choose. And we're uh, 12, going on 13 months into this. I still have to choose. Amen. Every day. Because, uh, you know, I can look at her and I can choose. To, I can see what she can't do. Or I can see what God has said and what she can do. Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. So, uh, you have to choose to believe God uh, rather than what you see. Um, I understand there are natural facts. There are natural conditions. Um, my wife had a craniotomy where they take half of the skull off to leave room for the brain. She had number of... Uh, brain surgeries, most of them were, uh, find the vein in the leg like you would to put a stint in a heart except they go all the way up and get into the brain and do things inside the arteries and so on. Uh, The uh, aneurysm was repaired by sending a device up in there and then feeding uh, wire in and the wire goes round and round and coils up and it gives a structure for the vessel and blood clotting to grab hold of and it permanently plugs a hole. So we went through all these things and of course they ask you every time, do you approve this surgery and so on. And my question always will it help her? Oh yeah, it'll help her, then do it. So I had no problem receiving the help of medicine. Addressing the facts. Doing what is necessary. If this procedure helps, fine. But ultimately, I I didn't think, well, doctor, will you save her? Please, will you save her? I knew he couldn't. So I had to choose what I believe what God said. And she said, uh, uh, the Lord said, uh, well... The Lord sent through my pastor over to us by text. Uh, my wife received this on her phone before she passed out and so on. Uh, Jeremiah 30, and verse 17, which says, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord. And it turned out what she has is not a sickness or a disease, it's a wound, it's a a blood vessel ruptures open. And so uh, that word was right on. And that's what God said about the outcome of this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I choose to see rather than all the evidence to the contrary. I think we'll disconnect there and save some more for tonight, but uh, at this point in time she has accomplished, my wife, the the impossible. Um, And any number of things that they said, she'll never do this, she'll never do that, she's doing them. There's a ways to go and uh, we're going to get to uh, tonight talking about perseverance. Most of your battles will require perseverance. And uh, maintaining these things, maintaining courage over the long period uh, is a little bit different. Um, Everybody can run a sprint for a short burst. Everybody's strong right at first. But how do you maintain those things and keep right on going? So we're talking about courage. How do you acquire and how do you maintain your courage in the face of adversity? Uh, So we had said, remember first, that a fight is coming. It's not strange. It's coming. Uh, Number two, uh, review what God has said about the outcome of this fight. And you're going to have to keep doing that. Keep reviewing the outcome. Here's the outcome. Here's the outcome. Uh, And keep speaking those things. And uh, always choose to believe God rather than what you see. Amen? Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week. And remember...